new year that not necessarily a brand new podcast but we're back uh, i won't even say we're better than ever but we're here and we're ready to get things kicked off my name is jake joining us my co-host mitch mitch how are things going up uh up north oh we just finished the overtime winner for world juniors for hockey over czechia so things are things are going well what's the age group uh it'll be u20 Okay, so still, uh, I feel weird watching like kids play. Yeah, like, down no, here I mean, in the states, like the little league World Series is a oh, big deal. Oh, that is creepy. Yeah, and it's um, oh, you want to hear the coolest <laughs> thing? I'll 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 let you talk hockey in a second. I promise. But <laughs> do you know about the uh, how young people wrestle in tournaments and wrestling in Iowa? We're talking like kindergarten. What? You've got like five-year-old wrestling tournaments in <laughs> Iowa. Um, <laughs> I have thought about maybe going up there to check it out one year, but I don't have kids, so that's kind of weird. But I'm like, that would have to be just a totally insane weekend. <laughs> I assume it's a weekend. It might be a week. I don't know. But yeah, uh, my... My country probably has yours beat as far as exploiting youth. So, uh, so what made uh, this hockey team so special? I mean, honestly, Canada's supposed to win basically every year. Hockey's kind of our thing, so I don't even know that I'll say this year's special. But <laughs> I don't know. There's some like giant European dudes like out of Russia and stuff that are well. Are Russia can't much. play right now because they're too busy killing everybody because so of they invited. Yeah. <laughs> It, it actually, I am. Oh, I am curious it ha- if or how the landscape would have changed had the Russians been uh, been allowed to participate. But you no, know, Canada. It's kind of one of those things you expect to win. They'll win every year, of course. But I mean, had some nice streaks, like five or six straight in the past, and this. Uh, honestly, there's nothing special about this year, but it was a pretty entertaining game. I was going to say, I'd have to imagine these guys are flying fast because you've got people who are just like, (laughs) I mean, whenever you're like 20s, it's like you're basically like pure cartilage still and you're at like your athletic best. Like, I I assume those games are amazing. They're they're a ton of fun. Um, This one was held in Canada. So NHL ice as opposed to international ice. So the the smaller rink. Um, But I mean. Oh, whoa. So they were really kind of just like pinballing around. Oh, you know, it was, it was an exciting game. Um, Dang. I mean, yeah, check this out. General age range is going to be 17 through 20. So you've got the the two main places they're going to show up. You've got guys that are already playing in the NHL, just like getting sure. called up and down between the minors. And then the other guys are all basically playing in like the WHL, OHL, or QMJHL, which are all the Canadian minor league systems for late yeah. high school. I think you can play there up to like 19 or something. But there's a lot of... Uh, like even a lot of people on the Czech team play and play in those leagues. So it's minor hockey is a, is a huge thing up here. A little, little too huge again, starts to get into that, you know, 
talent exploitation thing and then we wonder why we're getting worse at things but over specializing in single sport at too young of an age is a different topic for a different day but it's bad (laughs) well probably not the segue i want on the episode probably we're going to get the most listeners for but speaking of exploitation mitch you want to kick us off with our first topic well, you see, there's this guy, he's called Toriyanu, and <laughs> um, <laughs> so Vince McMahon, the name we have spoken of in the past, is attempting to get himself and two of his business associates as directors. Um, from what I could tell, and I don't have a Wall Street Journal membership, so I couldn't read the original article, unfortunately. I got it. Ooh. <laughs> the, uh, the board has previously turned down Vince's attempts to reinstate himself to the board. Um, so here's the first thing. Whenever he's talking about uh, Miss Wilson and Mr. Barrios, did Vince not fire them because the network failed? Am I thinking of the same people? You might be. I'm pretty sure like he got rid of them and basically kind of turned things over to Nick Khan, who's like nowhere in any of these discussions, which I'm like, um, uh, yeah, he might be jumping sooner rather than later. Um, I have Vince McMahon's direct quote here. WWE is entering a critical juncture in its history with the upcoming media rights negotiations coinciding with increased industry-wide demand for quality content and live events with more companies seeking to own the inner intellectual property on their platforms. All of this is true. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just like, okay, so Obviously, someone that's not Vince wrote this, but they hit the nail on the head. Like, uh, I think after we we wrap this up, we're going to have a larger discussion about the TV rights thing, because I think that is mm-hmm. going to be the story of this year. So, so far, so good. Makes total sense. The only way for WWE to fully capitalize on this opportunity is for me to return as executive chairman and support the management team in the negotiations for our media rights and to combine that with a review of strategic alternatives. My return will allow WWE as well as any transaction counter or yeah, counterparties to engage in these processes, knowing that they will have the support of the controlling shareholder. He's holding them ransom. Mm-hmm. 100%. So the big idea with this is that he wants back in to negotiate a sale. That's that's the big buzz that I'm hearing is that the sale is coming sooner rather than later. And that's a big, big driving force in this. So it's not just the sale of the business, but he's also talking about the TV deals. The TV negotiations are going to be starting imminently. And he's holding those hostage saying like, I'm not going to sign off Mm -hmm. on anything 
until I'm the, you know, I'm back in power. Um, the interesting thing here is that the rest of the shareholders and the board voted that this is not in the company's best interest, which means him going against that opens him and WWE open for lawsuits for not acting in the other shareholders' best interests. This story is going to get wild if both sides don't want to play ball. Um, again, Nick Khan, nowhere near this. Um, I I have a weird feeling about this, and it's I think things are going to go down not not the way that people were expecting. So what's what's your prediction then? What what do you think's happening here? So. I don't know if it was last week's episode where we were doing predictions for the new year, but um, I said, ultimately WWE's TV deal will lead to a sale of the company because like it makes too much sense for them to just sell outright to NBC universal. Um, uh, I'm going to assume that he takes over gets reinstated. I'm curious what that means about the on-screen product, mm-hmm. but honestly, as someone who doesn't watch the on-screen product and is solely interested in the financials of all of this, I, I could really care less. I don't care who's calling the mediocre sports entertainment show. That doesn't really affect me. Earnestly, I think that this is going to be a shit show from a PR standpoint. Don't be shocked if more leaks come out about people that Vince McMahon has forced himself upon. I think people are going to be playing dirty and I think it's going to cost them a lot of money. WWE stock has gone up. uh, What was it? 15% since this came out today. I don't think that's going to last. Um, I think the public backlash against Vince is so bad. Even like the Vince cells, the, the mouth breathers who just like defend WWE, like to the death, even they're just like, Oh man, I'm so glad Vince is finally gone. I think it's going to cost them a lot of money in negotiating. And ultimately I, th- I think this is a death nail for Fox. If I'm Fox, I'm just like, we're done. We're done. I'm not moving forward with that. Um, It's interesting because I don't think they have the leverage that they thought they did. And they're going to make their bag. Like they're going to get money from the TV deals, but it's interesting is the timing of this isn't after they make the TV deals. It's before, which makes me think that whoever gets raw is going to get SmackDown is going to get the streaming content. And in one fell swoop, we'll say, we'll also give you keys to the company. That's what I think they're gearing up for because they they saw that they don't have the power that they thought they were going to. I go back to mentioning the Q4 investor call where Nick Khan, he sounded defeated. Mm-hmm. I've never sat, heard him sound that kind of just like deflated, like, uh, I don't know. Uh, the landscapes, like he did the whole snake oil salesman kind of upsell, but I don't know. I got a bad vibe. I would not want to be on this ship 
because I think that uh, I think one, I think heads are going to roll. Um, and I would be very, very, very nervous if, if I was any part of that company. So what, what about you? Um, I'm, I'm really curious to get your thoughts on this. I, one of the more interesting things for me is looking at his daughter's position on the board and him wanting back in because that is, is absolutely fascinating to see how that, that plays out. Um, I think I'm curious behind the motivation behind trying to sell spite like that's, and that's, it makes sense to sell right now. This is, this is probably the best time to sell before the value deflates anymore. And we're on the cusp of really these, these TV rights bus bubbles starting to, to burst. And that's going to be, a bigger discussion as we near the end of the this VKM topic in general, but yeah, this this does make the most sense to to sell right now. But I have a hard time believing that's the primary motivating factor. I I don't understand some of it because at this point you've essentially gotten away with everything you needed to get away with. You needed to pay back a little money. You got to fuck whoever you wanted to fuck and rape whoever you wanted to rape and have no real consequence. You got to cover up as many murders and sexual assaults as you needed to cover up. He's and, still being investigated by the U S government. I mean, at this point, like you can stall that out almost enough until you die with the limited amount that have actually gone to the court system. So, I mean, look who his best friend is. Yeah, it every, makes a ton of sense. Every time you step into the limelight, you're inviting more and more of that to come forward. And I mean, it sounds weird to say ruin the last years of your life, considering how many lives you've ruined, but essentially that's what you're inviting. Like yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, Whoever's in Vince's ear is slowly leading him to living the rest of his life behind bars. That's the thing. I'm, I. It's got to be like just his girlfriend shit talking his family, and just like taking his side and ramping up his own mm. like delusions. Because at one point it was Nick Khan just mm -hmm. being like, "Hey, Vince, you should fire this person and move move me up and do that." Like, yes, it obviously mm -hmm. like he was the shadow master for the longest time. And then he got the position that he wanted after kicking Vince out of mm -hmm. like out of the limelight. I mean, he's still in control, but it's like, Oh, uh, I don't know, dude. Uh, it's gotta just be someone who's just feeding his ego because this is, this is an absolute, like, do you, uh, do you watch the HBO show succession? No, no. Oh man. It's so good. It's one of my favorite shows on TV. Um, well, it's not TV. It's HBO. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I, it, this feels like a page out of that book because it's someone who built an empire on bullshit and to their dying breath, will try to 
make the best deal possible. And I think it's going to screw over a lot of people. And this is, this is not the, the last we've heard of it. I mean, negotiations are going to be starting very, very soon. Like this is a massive story in the world of wrestling because it's going to dictate not just how much WWE makes, but how much AEW makes what wrestling looks like moving forward. Like I, we'll get to it in a bit, but like TV negotiations um, at one point we were just like, Oh, like uh, Brandon Thurston at WrestleNomics was saying like uh, WWE will likely get X2. So like times two, whatever they got the last time would make a bunch of sense from NBC universal. The whole Fox aspect is shot. I don't know how much they're going to give to WWE, but it can't be an increase of what they gave them. That would be such a poor investment. Um, but they're projecting uh, AEW to be like times five. And the longer this goes on, the longer Vince McMahon's in the spotlight, I don't think anyone's going to want to touch wrestling. This is bad news for Freddie Prince Jr. who wants to launch mm-hmm. you know, the, the third brand of, of wrestling in this country. And uh, I don't know, dude. I... Vince McMahon wanted to kill professional wrestling and he's, he's giving it another black eye. Um, yeah. This fucking guy, like I, I don't, uh, it's wild. And I think we've said all we can say because more about this is going to come out. We're going to start unofficially hearing. It's going to be like after a brawl out when people start hearing from, quote unquote punks camp and it's like oh i wonder who that could be and it's like it's the one guy it's it it's him it's going to be stuff like that where it's like oh i don't know someone close to this person on the board said this i'm like okay cool anonymous source says vince mcmahon raped an underage girl like we're going to be getting more and more stuff and uh, wrestling is carny as fuck like it is this is it's the silliest probably like grossest sports hobby to have oh no no you're not even scratching the surface for gross sports hobbies usa gymnastics would like a word with you well you're you're uh, not even fucking close but i'm just perception wise wise. i mean how much worse let's let's not open that can can oh my god i I, yeah i but yeah, Maybe like more I, than an explicit tag for what my next sentence was oh, going to be. So, <laughs> but wrestling is so stupid, <laughs> and so, like Vince McMahon's not a genius. This dude has <clears throat> failed has failed upwards, and the play that he's making now it could pay off in the same <laughs> way that all the dumb shit that he does it pays off somehow because he's a rich white dude. Like, uh, anyway. This is uh, this is going to be a crazy story, and I have a feeling we're going to be talking about it just mm-hmm. about every single week until this shit's done. And even then, I don't think people understand how big of a story this is. Like him stepping down and then trying to reclaim power. It's January 5th. Like we had probably the greatest wrestling match of the year, maybe of all time, on probably the greatest show of the year. Like but we're leading off talking about this guy. <laughs> I'm sick of this shit. 
But at the same time, like, it's such a huge deal. We can't not. I don't know. Huh. Anything else you want to uh, mention before we get into kind of like definitive ratings talk? So, or not ratings talk, but like negotiations about TV deals. The other interesting thing here is, and I'm laughing because of what I wrote in the notes and all the talk of with, with Triple H taking control and how different things were going to be. And I mean, he brought his people in and Charlotte Flair won the title again um, in her return match. Um, and I, I were like, like, see, nothing, nothing ever really changes. But what I was really thinking about with it is in light of some other news that we'll get to later in the episode we've been hearing for the past probably six to eight months now seeds of dissent within portions of the AEW locker room Mm -hmm. through a lot of the ex-WWE guys some guys have went back some guys are still lifers there this news and a potential sale of the company any role Vince has Charlotte being back on top and the way some of those things are starting to play out and kind of, uh, I'll call it a return to normalcy. I think we're on the verge of hearing a fair amount of that locker room that is no longer happy where that honeymoon effect has essentially ended under Triple H's tenure. And I think it's, I think we're about to start hearing some of those reports coming. Uh, I was talking about this with somebody. I can't remember who, but they are going to do everything possible to raise their stock of value. And so, like I said, if I'm in the company, I'm fucking sweating bullets because quarter one is only three months Mm -hmm. and they're going to try to boost things artificially to try to sell the company mm-hmm. and we saw what they did whenever mm-hmm. they had record profits they cut everybody that looked at them wrong they were like oh that this guy cut his hair after we told him to he's gone but just the dumbest reasons the might, might not have even had reasons they probably just saw the dollar amount and was like yeah they're gone they're gone imagine the bloodbath and cut talent that Triple H is going to be the face of in order to try to boost your art, your stock price. Like, I, I think things are going to get crazy. And I think the wrestling market is going to be crazy because Triple H brought in all of these, like, with the Infinity Gauntlet meme with all of, like, his poor people that Vince oh, cut he that he brought back. Shit. Dude, Hit Row is like rough. And <laughs> I have watched that clip no less than 150 times at this mm. point. I cannot get it. Are off. you talking about what's his name not making it over of the top? Of course, that's what oh, I'm talking dude. about. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. I, I don't even want to know his name. Don't say it. Um, but yeah, I. Oh. I think we're going to see a lot of people who are wanting to leave, not really want to leave, kind of like what you were saying. And the first person I thought of was Andrade. Uh, the first person I thought of was Gallows. 
Ah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, next year we'll have the we'll have the Good Brothers back in the uh, in the tag league. <laughs> oh man, Impact is Impact is about to have a. a, a deep roster man they they survive no matter what too they are invincible to anything like we want to talk about all these tv rights like impact doesn't even enter the conversation because they're literally just a cockroach of the wrestling industry and i don't mean that as a negative i mean they are unkillable because they have fucking tried um okay so thank you for putting this in the show notes let's get into the tv rights deals um, we didn't really touch too much on it the last time, but I am wait like the dominoes will be falling mm-hmm. for the next year. Years, plural. But I mean, like we don't know the extent. Uh, well, let's set this up first. NFL Sunday Ticket is basically what like kept Directv mm-hmm. alive after they were purchased by AT and T. They lost that right. So for those who don't know, NFL Sunday ticket is you pay $150, $200 a year. I don't know how much it is, but you can watch any NFL game that's not nationally televised. And there's all the blackout rules and all that stuff. Yeah. But it's basically like the NFL package, which is the biggest thing, not just in sports, but in television. And the only way you could get it is if you had direct TV. They no longer have those rights because Google came in and paid an insane amount of money for those to be on YouTube TV, which YouTube TV, Hulu Live, all of these uh, quote unquote alternatives to cable, those still track in the Nielsen ratings. So it might not be as dire a dip to ratings, but cord cutting over the last was 10, 15 years has been insane. Mm -hmm. If you want to look, just look at the graph of people who like the loss of subscribers from both cable and dished, you know, satellite cable, whatever you want to call it has been wild. The thing I'm so interested to see because the way that it's worded now, you don't have to have, youtube tv to watch the sunday or Mm -hmm. sunday ticket whatever they end up calling it the nfl package yeah you can just buy that by itself a la carte and they're going to make their money back what that means is a lot of channels are going to be losing a lot of viewers and you're going to be having alternative ways to watch them mainly streaming where those numbers aren't wide released unless people want them to be Mm -hmm. like netflix Good fucking luck figuring out what Netflix's numbers are. That stuff's under lock and key. Um, I'm trying to think of the best way to say this. The next year will be a bigger bloodbath than I think people are used to. And I think that that's really going to hit negotiations. Um, Let's see. What are your thoughts on that before we get to the next point? I think in the next, and this isn't necessarily going to hit 
AEW specifically for negotiations in 2024 or even WWE, what I'm, what I'm getting at here. Um, Cause no, no, th- what you're talking about absolutely will affect them for the negotiations. The other thing I'm thinking of that is going to have a longer term impact is the way we look at ratings numbers on cable for what's left and whether or not we start seeing a demand for those other numbers because the Nielsen yep. system has been due for an overhaul for oh for it's been quite, antiquated for, a for long time. quite some time now but that's still what's what's driving a lot of these numbers and if I'm an advertising exec that's a flawed perspective for me to even look at because I can likely even single out demographics that have new Nielsen boxes in their homes and mm-hmm. what demographics those represent and or I mean just YouTube you get those numbers from Google that's really the, the the model we're using for basing a lot of the the success ratings is not necessarily reflective of actual viewership or even viewership demographics. You know, we know. Mm-hmm. I mean, AEW skews younger than WWE, but TV as a whole skews old, and that's because young people don't watch TV unless they <laughs> unless they live at home or got some college college yeah. discount yeah i i'm actually thinking i don't know if i know more than one friend that still has cable every single other one of us have cut the cord i have no, one my friend friends with do. cable. yeah no everyone i know like either has guy. yeah everyone i know either has a streaming thing that they use um like slang or youtube tv mm-hmm. one of those uh, which is still like 80 bucks a month or whatever. But the majority of them just do rabbit ears and have like a subscription or two to a streaming service. Um, so really the reason I wanted to bring this up is um, there's going to be a lot of just like bullshit artists mm-hmm. trying to sound smart when talking about this. Um, we're going to give you a quick wrap up. So if you want to sound smart, listen here. I got some pushback in saying that Fox ditching WWE for AEW is an amazing move and really smart for Fox. What I mean by that is if Fox wants to continue to do wrestling, they can give AEW a five-time raise over Mm -hmm. what Turner first paid them, and it still be significantly less Mm -hmm. than what they paid wwe the first time we're talking like that it's like less than half we're talking like a third of what they offered wwe and it's in a demographic that skews well i don't want to say younger but it's definitely more popular within that Mm -hmm. niche and say what you will about rampage and all that stuff. Uh, we're playing a totally different ball game. If Fox wants to mm-hmm. do this because they can outbid uh, by a lot, the Turner networks who are going to have to decide very quickly mm-hmm. what they want to invest in live sports wise. Currently they have the NHL and the NBA NBA rights come up within a few years and they're not going to get it. They might be able to extend and have a portion of what they have, but the NBA is going to be going for a lot of money and Turner 
is not going to be able well it's not turner but you know mm-hmm. discovery what is it called Dis- discovery, <laughs> discovery warner media something yeah. like that i'll just keep saying warner um this is a huge thing to pay attention to because what fox wants and doesn't want is going to be played out both positively and negatively for AEW and WWE. Uh, The numbers to pay attention to, like I said earlier, are WWE needs an insane amount of money. They need more than they got last time from both USA and Fox for Raw and SmackDown. And I don't think that that's on the table. If it is, it's NBC Universal going above and beyond. AEW is projected to go five times, but I think even if they go two times or three times, that is a significant win for them. I mean, WWE has an eighty-year head start, and I'm, it, I think it's I think I think it's miraculous to see what AEW has right now, and I think a lot of people look at the rating which we can get into because that has a larger effect. Um, That's kind of going to be the final point. Rating talk is kind of weird right now because we don't know what negotiations are going to look like. And unfortunately, I think the wrestling thing, this weird niche hobby is going to be one of the first indicators of live sports in an era where the NFL is going to be largely streaming only. Um, that said, you want to bring up the, the dynamite number before we, I mean, we're not going to be talking dynamite. You know, if we get to it, it's going to be in the final segment, but uh, you want to hit us with the, the dynamite numbers that kind of kick this discussion off internally. So this week they did point two six and about 850 K but that did actually still rank fourth on the night compared to camera was college or NBA, but some form of basketball that would typically dominate the night. I think it was NBA actually. And even the NBA numbers were skewing lower than they normally would. I think the lead NBA game on Wednesday was a 0.42, which is, I mean, that's less than Raw did on Monday, and usually, Dynam- and usually the NBA is going to to smoke them. Yeah, it's not it's not particularly close. We're used to seeing, you know, point six, point seven, or that sort of thing. And instead, they got a point four two. So, for whatever reason, TV was just less active again in these Nielsen homes, which is the whole other part of the issue here. But the the point two six is what kind of kickstarted this because by all by all accounts i mean last night's show was essentially a home run and and they they've been doing this for uh, what this, two months yeah there there have been much much worse dynamites that have drawn 0. 0.35 0. 0.4 even above 0. 0.4 that were less quality shows than this one almost no matter what aspect of AEW you find enjoyable this was objectively better so it's that's where it gets really interesting is well these these viewers are leaving but it's not reflective of the quality of the show i don't know if people are necessarily leaving and that's the other part right 
because um, I'm someone I cut the cord. Mm -hmm. I slap on the VPN. I subscribe. I think it's eight bucks a month to fight and I get to watch every single AEW show. I have to assume that more people are doing mm -hmm. that. Um, I mean, it's an amazing way to watch. I don't have to watch picture in picture. <laughs> like I get little additional stuff in the feed. Like it, it's great stuff. Um, and even then, just because the numbers went down, there's actually more people watching in the smaller pool compared to last year with yeah. the larger pool with less people yeah. watching. So that's why AEW and WWE can say that they have more that hit that they have growth is because yes, they, they have a slightly smaller number, but it's also like they're in a, a it, more people are watching, mm -hmm. but less people are watching. It's so hard. It's all hard to describe. I, I can't, I can't say it right. Uh, hopefully this makes sense and <laughs> I didn't just waste everyone's time. Um, I say all this to say next week's dynamite needs to pull in a fucking number because we have, we'll get to it later whenever mm -hmm. we talk about dynamite, but they loaded up that show. Um, Anything else about the TV deals you kind of want to make sound, make people sound smart with a little thing. So if you could, if you can install a Mitchism here for people <laughs> to start saying to sound smart when talking about ratings, what would it be? Oh man. Um, I think that the Mitchism, fuck, I have it in my head. It's got to come out as a simple sentence. So this is why people get Nobel prizes in economics, take complex things and make them, <laughs> make them as simple as, as, as possible. Um, all right, so I think I think my biggest takeaway on the, the subject of ratings and knowing that the way we view them is going to change, the way we navigate them is going to change, Nielsen isn't going to last forever, streaming's the future, blah, 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 blah. Understand that there's a reason the key demographic is the key demographic. Because AEW finished fourth on the night, not cracking a million total viewers which if we're going by total viewers would have put them probably 40th on the night, not fourth. Yes. And there, there's a very critical reason to this. And this is something that's been known in marketing for a long time. And it's putting the advertising dollars where people's time is most limited. Teenagers get discounts. Seniors get discounts because they have time to look around for the best possible thing. And they have limited amount, like, they have limited amounts of disposable income. It's that middle ground where the disposable income is higher and time is less valuable where the advertising goes because you get more impulsive things where you can't shop around for the best possible yep. deal and your time value of money kicks in. That's that's why we harp on this demographic. It's not a unique thing to wrestling and it's not it's not some attempt to prop up wrestling stock or AEW stock or whatever stock. It's this has been common knowledge in marketing for, for decades now. Yep. 18 to 49 males. Mm -hmm. That's, that's what people want. Mm -hmm. And until that's not what advertisers want, that's not going to be the metric, you know, like I, this is, this is it. 18 mm -hmm. to 49 is it. I think that's, that's as simple as that is, as much as we bring mm -hmm. that up, I think people, <laughs> You need to say it louder for the people in back. It's, like it's hard for them to understand. They th it's a, 
it comes off because again, like they don't, they didn't draw a million viewers and they were fourth on the night. Tucker Carlson averages probably 4 million viewers a week on Wednesdays. And look at his advertisers. Exactly. Right. Like that's, that's the idea. If you're, if you're retired and watching TV, if you're retired and doing any, this isn't unique to television. Why do you think seniors discounts are a thing? It's not out of the goodness of people's hearts to make life easier for the seniors. I'm sorry. That's not what it is. It's they have all fucking day to find the best way to use their limited resources. So you better be able to provide it where you're not getting a penny out of them. Same thing with teenagers. They have ages to convince mom and dad to buy them the next thing. So they're going to find the way they can stretch their, their parents money the furthest. This, this isn't even unique to TV. This is just marketing period. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Showcasing more of my academic background with, with that <laughs> comment, but moving on. <laughs> I, I feel bad for the people who uh, just wanted to break in for wrestling analysis. Well, uh, here you go. Yeah. Into so, the wrestling. Thanks for listening this long. <laughs> Let's talk Wrestle Kingdom. It's that time of year. Um, both of us have been down on New Japan <laughs> since the pandemic started. It, it's not just the clap crowds. I, I can kind of watch that. And it, it is just as you know, it, it is what it is. Um, it's the booking, man. The booking of New Japan kind of went off the rails and it, it just became not fun. That said, what are your big picture thoughts on Wrestle Kingdom 17 before we start running down the card? Man, it both... The wrestling was awesome. Loved it. And I'm still no more inclined to watch New Japan. That's that's all I can say. Like, I, I I'm love- not going to watch more than I already do, which is yeah. like basically like once a month I helicopter in and check out what's going on. Exactly right. Like it didn't do anything to increase my my interest in the direction of the company, but the show itself was fantastic, and I loved watching it. I thought commentary was amazing. And I didn't think I would get that out of this lineup. Uh, it was Kevin Kelly, Chris Charlton, and uh, Gino. Gino, dude, Gino's so good. Um, so we had a couple. Wait, too good for him. I know. Good boy, uh, a couple other people came in, like Don Callis came in mm-hmm. for the Omega match, and Rocky, Rocky came in for up. the main event. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this was a really good commentating team. Um, I thought whenever I think Wrestle Kingdom in the golden era, like my golden era, I think that would be the second golden era for New Japan. Um, It is a perfect show where it's like top to bottom. It's like, damn, that was amazing. And there was a lot of entering stuff here that was great, but there was a lot of really, really, really rough stuff in ring as well. Uh, and like you said, booking wise, I I'm hoping that this was closing the door on a lot of things, but knowing Gato and how he books, I'm not that optimistic. Um, so that said, let's get into it. You want to start with the pre-show? Yeah, we kick off with a three minutes. Yes, I'm not. I'm not exaggerating. A three-minute exhibition bout between a debuting Bolton Oleg, who's essentially an amateur wrestler, who's mm-hmm. you know been 
borderline world class. I think already he's 29 years old, so kind of at the end of that road and ready to transition against, oh man, I still don't know. I, they said it, but like, Ryohei Oiwa? Oiwa. Oiwa. Yeah, so they, they did their quick little three-minute uh, young line draw. Bolton showed off the amateur. I mean, anytime I see a fireman carry in a match, I'm happy. So I was tickled <laughs> pink, so I got like five of them in three minutes with Bolton. So I already like this dude. He's A-plus in my books. Um, I they, was really into this match. They've got big plans for this guy. Big plans. I mean... I, I was hoping... Whenever I saw Oleg, I was like, dude, this is going to be someone's heater. It's, it's going to be amazing. It's like, this is if like Michael Elgin could go, you know, like if he had a more like, like a wrestling background, I'm like, dude, this guy, this guy mm-hmm. could be something special. Well, we, uh, was really good too. Yeah. As far like, whenever I say that this time limit draw three minute match, was an awesome way to start the show. It was an awesome it way to was. start the show. Like it was a really awesome way to start the show. I think you could skip the next two matches, but like I, I yeah. thought that it was really, really good. It was. It was fun. Um, something that wasn't fun: the <laughs> King of Pro Wrestling title, twenty twenty three, right to challenge New Japan Rambo match. I surprisingly didn't hate this. I, I smiled. It was over 30 minutes long. It I know, but at this time I hadn't, I hadn't figured out that the real show didn't start till 2 in the fucking morning my time. So I was like, alright, this will take me to the top of the hour and then the show's going to start. <laughs> Bazinga. This sucked. So I, I was into it because I thought the main card was starting right after it. Oh. Joke's on me. <laughs> yeah, so, it was just like a a 30 minute rumble basically the way that this works is four people are left in the ring and then the winner will go or the four winners will then go to new year's dash the next night and the winner will be mm-hmm. the king of pro wrestling to start 2023 so the winners of this match were great okan and shingo takagi and show and toru yanu had to be toru yanu oh like always, it's it's a lock always, it's a rule um, other participants in this match were Aaron Hanare, Dookie, El Fantasmo, Evil, Hikaleu, Jeff Cobb, Kinta, Mikey Nichols, Rocky Romero, Ryusuke Taguchi, Shane Haste, Taichi, Tomohiro Ishii, Yoshinobu Kanemaru, and Yujiro Takahashi. This went 30 minutes and I'm pissed off. I mean, I, I'll still take it over the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. I guess. Every time. but I mean, these were big names in this spot. I, oh, there were a ton of names in this spot. I mean, it is what it is. So anyway, New Year's Dash spoilers. Shingo wins. Uh, he ended 2022 King of Pro Wrestling and is starting 2023 the King of Pro Wrestling and is also challenging for the NJPW Heavyweight Championship. So I'm curious to see where that goes. Um, what did you think of the uh, the next match? I actually skipped it. 
I fell oh. I fell asleep and didn't go back to it. You skipped the Anoki tribute match? I did skip the Anoki tribute match. Yeah, you're fine. It sucked. <laughs> um, <laughs> Kojima, Makabe, and Nagata <laughs> defeated Suzuki, Fujinami, and Tiger Mask. I mean, it, it was fine. Like, <laughs> poor Fujinami. It took him like... <laughs> I think it took him longer than the nine minutes this match went to get down to the ring. Um, do, uh, it was fine. It was just the the grandpas being grandpas. Yep. Um, that said, like Kojima, Makabe, and Nagata as a tag team, I'm just like I, I'm gonna miss it pretty soon. Mm. Pretty soon, those guys are gonna be hanging mm. it up. Um. Some sooner rather than others. I don't know how many more matches Togi Makabe has. Like, at all. Um, It hurts me to see him move around. But he, like, doesn't take bumps. He doesn't do it. Yeah, you really didn't miss much. Um, We can get into the main card now. Because the main card, like I said earlier, I think that this is not only just early contender for match of the year, I think it's a strong contender for show of the year. And, and it's we, January 5th. We kick it off with the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Titles. Best tag team ever. <laughs> uh, so we got Francesco Akira and TJP. Catch 2-2, two, two, baby. Yeah, what a great name. It, it really is. Um, over Leo Rush and Yo, listen! So, Yo. Um, most of the typical spots you'd expect, um, but fun, fun opener, set the tone, good pace to it. I like Akira. TJP looked a little more teenage boy with his haircut than usual. I know. Right? I actually was kind of taking it back. I was like, huh, all right. So yeah, the United Empire retained the junior heavyweight tag team titles. Really all I got to say about it. It was fun. I really like this match. It's a lot of fun. I thought it was really good. Um, I'm not the biggest Leo Rush fan just because it seems like he's he's uh no pun intended, in a rush to get his moves out. Like it, it's very much just like, and the next thing, and here's the next thing, and here's the next thing. And there's not a lot of like great flow with mm-hmm. it. That said, he was great. This is probably the most I've liked Yo in a very long mm-hmm. time. All of his stuff looked very clean. His timing was really good. There were a couple spots early on that just didn't click, but I'm that it just is what it is. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I was very impressed with Yo, especially in, in the closing stretches. Um, Catch two two is like legitimately one of my favorite tag teams in wrestling. Honestly, they're probably my favorite tag team in New Japan. Uh, like you said, TJP turned back the clock by 20 years. Um, and Akira looked really good. He Akira's was happy awesome, to be man. there. Do what? Akira's awesome. Akira's really good. Francesco Akira is going to be a junior in this company with a very high ceiling. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this might be a hot take. I think I like this more than the IWGP tag title match. It's not a hot take. It was much better. Okay. Well, people liked the IWGP tag match a lot more. I, I liked it, but like, 
No, I'm just. We bad. might be in the minority on that. We might. Um, be. Tell me if this is a hot take. I think Catch Two Two is the third best tag team in the world. That's a hot take. It's a hot take because Aussie Open still exists. I don't know, man. Uh, Aussie Open's really great. Don't get me They're wrong. Really fucking good. Yeah. Okay, so would it be crazy to say that Catch Two Two is in the top four? No, no, I think that's fair. Okay, I, so Aussie Open is yeah. the one team. That's the the team. Well, no, that's what I meant. It's the Young yeah. Bucks, Aussie Open, and then Catch Two Two. <laughs> Um okay fine I I I will I will slightly cool off my take they are <laughs> top 4 I don't know if you were like you can either watch Aussie Open or Catch 22 I might go Catch 22 It's tough cuz I mean like in a vacuum yeah I'd rather watch Catch 22 for one match but if you're asking me who I'm investing in for the next while i'm probably no that's not that's not who i'm at that's not what i'm asking i I know know, but like i I can't help but evaluate things and that's just a tiny bit but i I, think like even year like in a single year i think i'd get more of watching more aussie open matches than catch 22 matches but if you take like their best match then i'm going the the i think the ceiling for aussie opens higher but in saying this about catch two, two, I think that they work exclusively in new Japan. Mm-hmm. I think the quality of opponents that they have is higher than Aussie open. Now Aussie open has a lot of the same opponents in new Japan, but you look at like the, you know, the European scene, there's not mm-hmm. a lot of like awesome tag teams no. there. Um, I think that kind of lowers them a little bit. I don't know. It's not going to matter. Uh, I'm splitting hairs for no reason. I think catch two, two freaking rules. Um, speaking of let's talk about contender for best women's match of 2023. Right off the bat. IWGP women's title match. Kyrie defeated. Tom Nakano, Tom, Tam Nakano in five minutes and 47 seconds we gave 10 minutes to the enoki match not even that one went nine minutes and 10 seconds we gave more time to watch fushinami and makabe fucking stumble around the ring (laughs) i was fuming after this what did you think of the match itself? I thought it was just fucking getting started. I thought it sucked. I thought I, this match sucked. I thought it was the five minute build before things took off and then it was over. <laughs> I know. Because I mean, like, and this is here's the thing. Like, the, the I re- thought they were wasting time. That's I thought they is, were wasting time. This is a thing with a lot of a not lot wasting of, time, but like no, establishing. Like time. Yeah, this is a thing with a lot of Japanese matches that go 20, 30 minutes. Sometimes, there was no chance this was going to go 20 minutes. No, but like sometimes 
you get the start like we'll get to with Osprey Omega where they just go like guns blazing off the start and then they hit the rest period, right? Often what you get is the Jay White start where you basically fucking stall for the first 10 minutes of a match. Oh, we'll get there start with Jay doing White. Stuff. Like that's, that's a New Japan pattern. Jay White's probably the worst for it, but it's not exclusive to Jay White. No. I thought that's what was happening here. I didn't expect to go 20, <laughs> but I thought I was getting 15. And I was like, all right, we're getting. I it. thought I was going to get 12. They're feeling each other out. And then Kyrie hit this fucking elbow and it was over. The spinning fucking, back fist. And the then the commentators the were like, can you believe this match has been only going five minutes? I'm like, no, I can't. And then it was over. One, two. Motherfuckers. Why even I... put it on there? To put it on there. That was so insulting. I think that this is hilarious because for years, and I'm not talking about you. No, you're someone no. who like is a fair, you know, critic, but also like spokesperson for women's wrestling. For years, we would be having a new Japan conversation. Everyone on online would be like, "Oh, New Japan was amazing." Like, um, it fucking sucks. There was no women's matches on it. Not real wrestling. And basically, like, all right, you want a women's match? Fine. This was Here's five minutes. Shit. So the real story is Mercedes Monet coming out post match to set up the match with Kyrie. We all knew it was going to happen. They even talked about it on commentary. The worst kept secret in pro wrestling. My guess is the women had a blocked time yep. on the card, and, and her making her debut. That, that's absolutely what happened. Cut the match in half. Yeah, that's absolutely what happened. Which Maybe. is, that's just how Japan yeah. books. They're like, this yeah. gets this amount, this yeah. gets this amount. Oh, that's just how it goes. That's what happened. Because that, that got 15 minutes total, which is similar to basically every other non-main like main event match on the show. Like, I think Kyrie looked like a star. Mm-hmm. Tim... <laughs> Old Tom Nakano. Tam Nakano did not impress me at all. Um, the kickouts in this match were brutal, dude. It looked like they were underwater. They were the softest kickouts. Um, There's a little bit of it being a stardom thing sometimes, too. A lot of the lower card stardom women yes. kick out like that, and it kind of drives me nuts. Yeah, I, I'm not a fan. Um... I'm going to pose this question to you before I answer. What did you think of Mercedes Monet's uh, debut? It was a fucking train wreck. It was bad. And I don't necessarily own, like, this is the bigger problem. This match got five minutes. Nobody in the crowd gave a shit. And nobody in the crowd gave a shit that Mercedes came out. Because ninety percent of the people, oh, she the crowd, got she got a couple reactions. She got a couple, re- like no one really gave a shit though. Like Omega Osprey, they care. That ve- was it, fucking loud. It was very polite. This was a polite, like yeah, this was a pity clap. Um, they're allowed to cheer and they clapped. <laughs> well, they just—it's not a th- New Japan and Stardom are largely different viewerships in Japan. We know yeah. this. This isn't new. They absolutely are. They absolutely are, and that was showcased. This this was for the Westerners like me watching at home, and it came across like a fucking train wreck. 
it didn't help that she totally bought her entire totally botched the gory DDT, which she probably shouldn't use. Oh, time. dude. It's difficult. Or you probably get, shouldn't do it in like fucking 20 inch lips, heels. Right? Like that's that's a hard move to hit on the best of days, so she might want to find a new finisher. Yeah. Her press conference uh, after was better than anything that happened on the show. I didn't watch it. I saw clips and it was better. Dude, I thought her promo was garbage. Um the wig looked cool. Um, wig. I I mean I like I said, she hit a shitty finisher in giant heels and then stumbled through a promo where she's just like, I am the boss. Pause. And the crowd didn't know what to do. And they're like, okay. I pictured them having like the, the fucking late night talk show applause symbols for the that crowd. Came on like three seconds later. Dude, she's like, I am the CEO of this division. <laughs> Silence. Way too accurate. Look, I'm, a, brutal, I'm as dude. hyped as anybody for Mercedes having some of these matches and wrestling in AEW and all these things. She's not a promo. Don't fucking let her talk. It's always we'll, a bad move. Do we'll talk about this later. Hands. But I like to think that Tony Khan watched this and was like, oh, no, fuck that. <laughs> Tony! <laughs> Tony! Help! I like the idea of Tony Khan being like, oh, shit. Um, yeah, I lost that contract. <laughs> I think we didn't sign that fucking paper yet. <laughs> oh, man. Um... I think it's it's fair to move on if you want to. Yeah, I'm good to move on. I got to rant about the match. Uh, so, next Bishamon. up. We have the IWGP tag title match. Cash Wheeler and Tax Harwood losing their third title in two weeks to Yoshihashi and Hiroki Goto. <laughs> Bishamon! I, I almost got through that with a straight face. Uh -huh. I don't even know what Can I tell you how happy I am that fucking Dax Harwood got pinned in the Tokyo Dome by oh, Yoshihashi? <laughs> so I remember how when you were telling me, like, me, they're totally resigning. There's no way they're leaving. If they're leaving, this is the Tony Khan play all day long. You don't want to sign our fuck it. You get pinned by Yoshihashi. Forget well, it's a Uzi different bought. booker who booked this match. But yeah, like I, I it's so funny to me that like Dax, who came out to the ring like fucking pouting. He, he's like, oh, I don't want to lose. And then gets pinned by Yoshihashi. <laughs> It's Kevin, so funny to me. Look at Kevin Kelly's trying his hardest to make it sound like Yoshihashi isn't a ginormous plug in the choke of the division. Well, to be fair though, like I thought Yoshihashi was awesome in this. This match. was probably the best match I've ever seen. Um, I, like I said, I normally just tune in for the big, yeah. high-profile stuff, and I don't watch a lot of Bishaman. You know, Godi and Godi, classic Godi. Godi and Takagi, here we go. <laughs> Shikingo. Oh, we'll get to Shikingo. 
<laughs> I'm tired. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I don't get to uh, watch too much of you know Goto and Yoshihashi tag. So uh, I'm a big Goto guy. I think Hiroki Goto is like one of the most like underrated wrestlers in the last decade. He's just never going to get that you know that no, praise. This was this was his high point. Uh, Yoshihashi was awesome. Uh, I thought he was really good. And I think the thing that I hate the fucking most about FTR, it doesn't matter what style of match that they're in. The, the basic setup for their match is cash. Wheeler is dedicated to the tag team and Dax Harwood is a selfish prick. And I would be cool with that tag team dynamic. If they were setting up for like an obvious breakup, they're going to be doing a feud or something like that. But no, I just have to fucking listen to how they're the greatest tag team of all time. But I'm like, one of them clearly doesn't give a shit about being in a tag team and like started a podcast by himself, not with his tag partner because he thinks so highly of himself. Like, again, we say it all the time. I think a tag team with cash Wheeler and a replacement level wrestler would be just as fucking good as FTR is now. Um, Dax Harwood, you know, came in for the shine and got pinned by Yoshihashi. I loved it. Um, I thought it was fine. I went four stars on it. I I, I enjoyed it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't tell me if I'm if I have this wrong, because you and I we kind of talk in different circles our venn diagram of wrestling is very interesting as far as like communities we hang out in um my read on the situation is that ftr decided not to re-sign until the contracts expire to drum up interest in themselves as free agents and so everyone's just like, okay, well, if we don't have certainty about you resigning, we're going to take the titles off of you. Tony Khan had them lose to the acclaimed. <laughs> like it's possible they could get the win back and, you know, possibly win the titles if they still have them. But no, every single company is covering their ass and being like, well, if you guys don't want to work with us and give us an idea of like what's happening next, like we're going to take, we're going to take this off of you. And so I, I think it's possible that by the time FTR are free agents in March, they might be cold. There's a lot of time to kill. And they don't necessarily get featured on AEW pay-per-views, so there might not be a build for Revolution. I'm very interested to see what FTR does with the limited amount of time that they have under contract mm -hmm. to everywhere that they're currently signed to. I don't actually know that they are going to re-sign. Um, I'd even heard a fairly credible rumor prior to... Um, I think it might have been prior to... When did... Double or Nothing or All Out or... Like one of the AEW pay-per-views this year, they had actually tried to... And by they, I'm pretty sure I mean Dax, but unfortunately, poor Cash gets lumped into everything because Dax is a fucking tool. Um, yeah. Had actually been like trying to angle to to get out of their contracts because they weren't weren't happy. It was one of the pay per views where they had a match, but like 
the, the place like probably the, all out because they were on the undercard with Wardlow. Yeah. Yes, yeah, it was all out. Yeah. Um so I don't I don't know that they do resign. The funniest joke I heard was that their kayfabe comments go so far that they lose track of who was going where and they accidentally each signed with different companies and cash days with AEW and Dax signs with WWE. Pissed Dude, I would love that. that. I'm just saying, Cash Wheeler and Brock Anderson managed by Arn is better than FTR. I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to say it. And Dax can go team with, I don't know, The Miz. Do you know how funny it's going to be that they're going to win Tag Team of the Year in 2022? Like, slam dunk. Everyone's going to vote for FTR. And then they sign with WWE and then feud with the Usos for eight months. And they're gonna be they're gonna be in no one's top five or top ten for 2023. I'm going to die laughing. And y'all are gonna be like, you know, Jake, you might have been right. Young Bucks might have been the tag team in 2022. <laughs> I'm just saying, y'all are gonna have to eat a shit sandwich. Um Let's see. Oh, yeah. Next match. I like this match a lot more. I love this match. World TV title tournament final. The inaugural uh, coronation for this championship. The belt itself looks like a wet fart, but this match was not. Um, Zack Sabre it... Jr. goes over Red Marita. I think it looks like a, like a candy bar belt. You know what it looks you know, like? like you have like the 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 fake gold chocolate yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. the coin that's wrapped up that's what it looks like it looks like if you unwrap the belt there's chocolate inside it reminds me of that like eco-friendly belt that brian danielson did in wwe that's what it reminds me of um the match itself however was awesome um this was probably the least typical zack saber jr match i've ever seen like yeah, I, I I can see what you mean by that. It was still a Zack Saber match. It was, but there was a lot more focus on the striking compared to the submissions and the grappling, as is typical for his matches. And I mean, no, I like this version of Saber a lot more for he's sure. Still, he's still small for calling himself a heavyweight, but he did look a little bigger. He doesn't look like Adam Cole anymore. His arms looked bigger. He has grown Adam Cole. I think Zach's arms are bigger than Adam Cole's. Oh, they definitely I'm, are bigger. I'm willing to put money on that. I mean, Jamie Hayter's arms outflex Adam's by like three inches. Okay, I'm not going to get myself in trouble with my wife in the same house as me talking about Jamie Hayter's arm strength. Um, it's okay, mine's down for that sort of thing. We're good. I can talk all day. Hey, yo! <laughs> um... <laughs> I really thought that Renarita was going to get the win. So whenever Zach got it, I was like, oh, okay. He tapped him out. Let's go. And I mean, um, it, led to, it led to something for Zach. Suzuki Goon is broken up. So I have been saying for years that it is criminal, criminal that TMDK is underused in the wrestling world. I'm like, what are we doing? It makes so much sense. These guys are an awesome heel tag team. Has no one watched their stuff in Noah? What's happening? Even New Japan barely does anything with them. They, they come were in out the post-match. Huh? They were in the Rambo. 
They kicked ass in the Rambo. They did. They come out after the match, give Zach a shirt. Zach puts it on and is the new leader of TMDK. Let's freaking go. They recruited a fourth already, too. Who is the fourth? Uh, some random young lion on New Year's Dash. Sack. Oh, I haven't seen it yet. He cuts a pro. He's like, we need a fourth member. It, like, pulls this young lion up. He's like, here, fucking take this. I haven't seen it. I hope the joke is he just picked like a random young lion and was like, we're so good, we'll make you not suck. Just like here. Mox did. Yeah, exactly. Who? Shooter. He's awesome. <laughs> Mox, good job. Um. Yeah, I haven't watched New Year's Dash. Uh, I I watched the main event, which was like fucking wild. We'll get to that in a sec. <laughs> uh, um. But yeah, I I really like this match. Um, the Nestle Crunch title is now established. Uh, so now we can move on to a title that I wish was never established. What the fuck was this? If you thought that Sasha and Kyrie had the worst botch of the night the with the gory DDT. This. You did not watch this match because this ending was embarrassingly bad. Poor Kevin Kelly trying to polish it. He tried, man. He really fucking tried because he knew it was the finish and he knew they fucked it up. So Carl Anderson <sighs> without Gallows. Without him. Good job, me. You were sure he was gonna take the, the free. I trip. I thought they were gonna fucking pay him like 20 yeah. grand to fly over. No, Gallows did not get to come over. It was just Carl Anderson. Uncle Paul became, said you get one. Who became immediately more enjoyable without Doc Gallows beside him. I I thought that. Carl was really good in this match. Until the end of the match. Until the like, end. I was really enjoying it. I was like, man, this is the best Carl's looked in I was years. shocked. I'm fucking loving shocked. this. And then, then it ended. I was laughing hard. I mean, the, the story of the match was the gun stun, right? That's the story this match was built around was the gun stun. They're both trying to hit it on each other for like 10 minutes straight. Yeah. Um Nobody ever hit a gun stun in this match, but Tama was supposed to hit one on Carl. Technically. Instead, Carl just kind of flopped around and fell on the ground and ate a pin. Dude, as much as I'm glad that we're not going to see Carl Anderson in this company anymore, I'm so happy that I don't have to watch KG Muto in this company or <laughs> any company that I pay attention to again. I'm so sick of this uh i uh we already have the explicit tag i'm just not gonna go there i hate everything about keiji muto and i think he's actively ruining the scene over in japan and no one gives a shit it's baffling to me so like he, he has to respect your elders but like this dude's a prick Duke he goes out of his way to too yeah you, you know what I'm talking about, right? After the Shinsuke match? Yes. Set it up for the people who don't know. So after Muda's match with uh, with Shinsuke Nakamura... Which was awesome. Yeah, it, fantastic. But after the match, little press conference, very short press conference. Um, they're asking about Shinsuke. And, you know, the spot in the match was basically Muda 
does his miss thing right. So Shinsuke oh, fucking gem blocks it by kissing him, basically. That's that's the idea, right? Like he kisses him to divert uh, away from this mist and turn it back on Muto. It's better than kicking each other in the dick, I'll tell you that. Uh, don't tell that to Danhausen, but anyways, <laughs> uh yeah, so that that was the spot that was being referenced and Muto kind of goes in relatively broken English. Uh, something, something, you know, queer maybe, and people are assuming he said that. And I, I listened to it. Is the accent so thick? I can't make sense of it one way or the other. Either way, he started to use queer like an insult, and then may or may not have also called Shinsuke a f a double g o t. Um, and then kind of ended the press conference. Was there like, okay, no more, bye bye, Shinsuke, no more questions. Okay, thank you, bye bye. And, and leaves the conference. Um, they put it up. They have since pulled the clip. Um, I mean, what are where, what can they do? You're not going to wrestle for us again? Right? <laughs> like, you're literally quitting. Um, okay, bye-bye. No, this dude, this dude just buries young talent, refuses to put anybody over. That said, um, <laughs> Shooter, Shota Umino, Umino, Shota Umino, Hiroshi Tanahashi and Kenji Muto do get the win over Bushi, Sonata, and Tetsuya Naito. Um, I thought it was fine. Un- unfortunately, this was the way to showcase Shota and establish him as a credible talent, um, but apparently Keiji Muto missed the fucking memo on that one. think that covers anything we need to say about Kichimuto's last match in New Japan. Uh, it could be one of Bushi's last matches, too. I'm hearing that, too. It sounds like all Japan's the destination for him. Yes. There's a shakeup in the Japanese scene right mm-hmm. now, which is really interesting to me. Well, um, that's part of the Suzuki-Goon dissolution, too, right? Is yes. Half of so, those guys were freelancers. Um, Voices of Wrestling did a really good write-up behind their paywall about how um, apparently shutting down Suzuki Goon was mm-hmm. an office decision, mm-hmm. not a Gato decision. Um, the office... How do I want to say this? The office has been stepping more into the booking. I mean, there's the TV title was their idea. They wanted to dissolve Suzuki Goon, not because they had anything wrong with the talent there, because most of them were on the show, but it had everything to do with apparently most of Suzuki Goon being on handshake mm-hmm. deals and the front office being like, no, we don't want to do business like that anymore. We're only going to be pushing contracted talent. And so it's like, from what I can piece together outside of what Voices mm-hmm. of Wrestling said, I think the only person that might have a contract is Zach. Yeah. Because he actually like moved there and is like basically wrestles only for them. I'm pretty sure Zach is the only one with a contract, um, which is why he's sticking around and is the leader of a new faction. But even Desperado's not signed. He's mm-hmm. still on a handshake deal. And New Japan can tell him apparently that he can or can't take certain bookings. So that whole dynamic is so interesting to me. Um, I don't know if there's anything else you want to talk about that. Um, 
I thought that we were going to be able to talk more about it until all this Vince shit happened. Um, but no, I think it's a potentially huge, huge story and mm-hmm. the way that new Japan will be booking certain people moving forward. Um, let's see. Oh, IWGP junior heavyweight title. Hiromu wins it back, baby. Defeating Taiji Ishimori, El Desperado and master Wado. I don't know if this is a hot take. I thought master Wado whipped ass in this match he was awesome the crowd was behind him like it was, i think i liked him the most i was him by the end like i was buying the near falls okay cool all cool, cool, cool. auto train like let's go it's great Way to the i'll be the first master. to admit when i was wrong master oh my God, was, was a joke dude this <laughs> debut yeah. was worse than mercedes yes it was it was, it was. That's not a hot take. This version of Master Wado is awesome. And I'm looking forward to him chasing the junior title. And I didn't think I would be here a couple days ago. Fuck out of us. I know. Long game the fuck out of all of us. I know. Uh, He was phenomenal here. What did you think of the match itself? I I loved it. It was fun. I I bought so much into this underdog Watto story and for a four-way match to get me to buy into one guy that well. You oh, the final like fight. act of this match oh, was really, really, once you got past all the multi. Yeah. The, the weight on the outside spots and run in and run out and all that stuff. I, once you got into the meat of the match, it was, yeah. That's what I wanted. I, a couple notes out of this again the desperado thing once we found out that he wasn't mm-hmm. contracted i was like he's not gonna win the match there's no way taiji ishimori wins the match so sick of that little jockey having the junior <laughs> title uh hiromu as the junior makes sense mm-hmm. apparently he's just never gonna move up in the weight class no no and he's fine with that so is what it is but yeah, I'm looking forward to Master Wado. Uh, the the journey of the what is it the something master way to the grandmaster. Yeah, the the journey of the the great master. I will be the grandmaster. I mean, we know it. Grandmaster sounds a little too KKK for me. I'm gonna call him the great master. <laughs> I, I like chess, so it definitely doesn't give me that vibe. That's that's like the oh yeah. There's there. also chess. I don't know. It's 2023. I'm trying to be more woke. Unlike Keiji Muto. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's it. That was Wrestle Kingdom. Um, yeah, good show. Weird main event, but it was good. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why they ended with this weird junior match. Uh, 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 of course, we're goofing around. Um, Mitch, set it up. Let's talk about the greatest match of all time. <laughs> We knew this was going to be the case. This isn't a surprise. IWGP United States Heavyweight I, Championship. Kenny Omega defeated Will Ospreay um, in 34 minutes. This was the longest match on the show. Um, I think this was perfect. I I not only think it's it's going to be the 2023 match of the year, this might be one of the best wrestling matches I've seen ever given the history and everything that went into it. I mean, dude, this is what big picture thoughts before we start breaking down the match. 
I, I literally got teary watching it. It was so good. Like I was watching this match. I was so happy. I was like, oh my God, I'm literally crying. This match is so what, good. What? Like, so for fuck. some people who would say that that's extreme, take us through <laughs> what got you there. I mean, the expectations were always going to be high. Expectations were off the charts. The the floor for this match had to be five stars. The floor for this match was match of the year for 2023. That was the baseline expectation was this has to be the best match anywhere in the world all year long. We haven't seen Kenny Omega in New Japan since he left for AEW. Since he lost to Tanahashi. There was... There were periods in AEW where it seemed like he may even have to retire before getting another New Japan match. There's the big story with Osprey and Kenny having big conversations with them, like, hey man, I'm out of here. You gotta carry the torch now for the the big gaijin role. Like, here's your you gotta do this now. This is your your spot. You gotta run with it. We've had the will with Okada stories over the years, all this stuff. The build to this for Kenny and Will is it's really to be the best like gaijin of all time in New Japan. That's that's essentially what they're battling for. That's that's yeah. the identity they're chasing. Let alone the significance of having two non-Japanese wrestlers in a co-main event, which for Japanese wrestling is absolutely bonkers. Like that, that doesn't happen. The second time that Kenny Omega's done it. Yeah, like this is this is insane. The, the precedent set with that is phenomenal. And I don't even think Gaijin wrestler. I just think like the greatest wrestler in New Japan history. Like obviously Okada is number one, but like these guys are gunning for mm-hmm. it. I the moment Kenny walks out, the when he came back at all at uh at full gear, you could see how happy he was. And you felt it like five times more when he came out to this match. Like he just felt at home. And I out of words for so many parts of it. When Osprey came out and I hear the violins, because Osprey's line was like, it's time to bring back the assassin, right? Osprey's original thing was the aerial assassin. Dropped the aerial because he had to become a heavyweight. So it's time to bring back the assassin. I hear those violins. I know you hate the song, but I hear the violins start to play elevated, and I fucking lost. I was like, I I know this. Oh my god! I'm it to the sky. Whoa! Ah! Fucking We're hate saying the song. same thing. We mean it very differently. <laughs> I fucking hate that song, but I I did I I did think it was cool that he came out to that. Yeah. I was like, okay, he had the it United Empire the story behind amazing, him. Yeah. Um. So the thing that made this so special to me, um, anyone, anyone who has bad things to say about this match, I just can't talk wrestling with. No. This is this is what I want from my wrestling. And I understand that like there's old school fans who are just mm-hmm. like, oh, they need to slow it down. It needs to be less extreme. If this took place 30 years ago, people would be, they would have lost their minds. Yeah. This would have been the greatest match mm-hmm. of all time. Like you put this in any era, people would have been blown away. There's one spot in particular that I'll mention in a bit that I was just like, I don't know if I've ever seen anything that's like that. Um, the history of both men coming up to this match, it just felt like um 
I hear this a lot in like, you know, like uh, in, in movies or TV shows or any form of like storytelling where anything that's like remotely serious and grandiose and a big deal is like, it's all led up to this. It's fucking true. Like both Kenny's career and Will's career have put them here up against each other. Uh, the backstage passing of the torch from Omega to uh, there's so much that goes into this. You, you, you've already talked about it. I remember seeing them face off in PWG and just been like, Oh my God, this is insane. This is insane. And I want this. So like, I want this all the time. I want a feud and I just didn't get it. This is 100%. Like just fucking bookmark this match. Cause this match is going to be so important moving forward because this God willing, like, any of the bad things, this is the first singles match between these guys. There will be at least one more. I'm shocked Kenny got the win given the politics of New Japan. That feels insanely big and opens the forbidden door even larger because I'm like, wow. Um, obviously, you have to get the title off of Will because it seems like his next step is to win the G1 and then challenge Okada at next wrestle kingdom. Him winning the G1 is the last milestone besides beating Okada at wrestle. Yeah. Um, second point I want to get to, this might be the best use of a table in a wrestling match I've ever seen. Kevin Kelly saying like, oh, they grabbed one of our extra tables. You know, we have extra tables under the ring in case something's happened. Right. And then I think it was, I think it was Don who was just like, oh, I've seen it happen before. I was like, commentary is just like, it makes sense. There's tables here. Mm -hmm. Then the double stomp through the table from Kenny Omega onto Osprey and Osprey is selling it like his kidney exploded. And then, (laughs) Omega picks up the table and does a Jack Torrance like stick his head through it like he's in The Shining. <laughs> I love it. And then they circle back to it like that That led to an opportunity where uh, United Empire surrounds him. He can go under the ring blade on his hairline and then like, oh, he's pouring blood. That's not enough because later they go back outside and Kenny Omega is bashing Will's head and you see like chunks of the table (laughs) flying out and like the table's getting more and more damaged i'm like this is so amazing like i i normally hate table spots because they seem so like uh now i gotta set it up and now you gotta go over here and the setup takes away from the payoff the payoff was amazing (laughs) um I thought this was going to be largely back and forth with Osprey cheating to win. Like he had to cheat to win, but instead he got thoroughly destroyed through this whole match. Omega was just like, no, like I'm, I'm Kenneth Omega. Like I'm the best in the world. 
you can you can have goat on your knee pads. It doesn't mean anything. Oh, dude, I love this so much. Um, what what else you got? I can keep. I will keep going on. So I want to give you a talk, a time to talk to. I mean, there's there's only so much you can say about about it. The other the big the other big spots that really really caught me. I mean, Will's selling when Kenny was literally like beating him within an inch of his life, and like Will sold that thing like a motherfucker. Like you thought he was dazed and confused and no idea which way was up. And he just like refused to to stop having a pulse. And then Will's big comeback stretch, where I mean, he does his little Hulk up spot, but it's like not shitty. Like when Hulk Hogan does it, it was actually good. And um, <laughs> like when Will got that burst of energy and starts coming mm-hmm. back, I mean, that that arc of Will going from like beaten bloody to like being pretty much dead on arrival in the ring to his comeback spot to then having the door slammed shut and just nothing left the, the arc that that match told was unbelievable no no bullshit no stupid interference spots it was it was a pure match no bullet club spots I no know. bullet club spots no no interference no don callis spots nothing it was Whenever we're wrong, we own up to it pretty quickly. I want to challenge people who talk shit about, (laughs) I mean, we did it in this episode. I challenge the people who are just like, oh, Will Ospreay just does flips. Watch this Mm -hmm. match. Watch him sell. If you have the outdated opinion that Will Ospreay is just some flippy kid, like he's like Blake Christian or some shit, like you haven't, no, you need to you need to actually watch him wrestle and appreciate him for what he does. Um, I want to get into the closing spot of the, like closing half of the match. I still think the V trigger is like when it's done is the coolest mm-hmm. move in wrestling. If you do one, a match, it feels special. You could do 20 in a match and I'm just like, yes, give it to me more. Um, Let's talk about the crazy spot. Kenny Omega goes for the one winged angel on the top rope, like avalanche one winged mm-hmm. angel. Osprey starts swinging punches down and makes Kenny like seemingly lose his grip and they start to fall. Omega grabs him and mid air German suplexes him. And it makes it like it looked like mm-hmm. Osprey like exploded mm-hmm. the way that he landed. And then you like go back and watch it, and it was just like he landed like square on his shoulders. Like there was no chance of him getting hurt on that. Do you know how insane that is? Like how special that is? How like wrong? <laughs> like one of them could have broke their neck at any part of that. So special. And that wasn't even the finish of the match. No, so let's talk about the finish. All right. So the only argument I will hear for a move better than the V-trigger is the hidden blade. <laughs> because whenever Will Ospreay does the... So he did a hidden blade from, mm. from behind. For those of you who have never seen Will Ospreay hit 
the uh, the hidden blade. It is sick. It's basically like he will, uh, like his left hand basically reaches his right shoulder, running start, and just flings his arm all the way across. It looks brutal. Is absolutely safe, and it just it it looks like he kills someone. He hits Kenny with one and then hits one facing him. And I was like, that has to be the match. It's not. Walk us through the closing stretch. I mean, Osprey's big comeback. Hits that hidden blade. He also hits a Styles Clash in this. Trying to do anything he can to put away Omega. And it's still not enough. It is not enough. Osprey doesn't know what to do. Kenny comes back and Kenny shows why he's a cleaner. He catches his V triggers that we've been building. We built to this on AEW with the fucking shirt. He looks, the crowd looks, we know what's coming, grabs Will's arms, hits a fucking Kamagoye, immediately picks him up and hits the one wicked angel for the finish. I... Kota Ibushi is is coming to AEW. Yeah, that's just that. That's, that's all there is to it. It is more obvious that Sasha is, and Britt flat out told us Sasha's coming. Well, we'll get to that. We obvious. will get to that. <laughs> shit, this might be the longest episode we've ever done. We need to yeah. talk about the main event. Yeah, um, Kazuchika Okada. Let's cover it quicker than the match was. Yeah, uh, we're not talking about this for 33 minutes. I'll tell you that Kazuchika Okada wins the IWGP World Heavyweight Title from Jay White, my dude. I know you're a big Jay White guy. I am over it. <laughs> I am ready for him to leave the territory and just go do something different. You said it yourself earlier. The slowed down New Japan style of kind of like you know mm-hmm. taking your time, doing all the outside stuff it's a style it's a house style and it does not suit him well it was painful this he's too good for that he's handicapped by it he seems unmotivated it doesn't translate well i i thought his performance in this took this from being close to a five-star match i I, i'm gonna go four and a half i still really 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 enjoyed it but there were, there was a lot in this where it just felt like you want to talk about stalling. Mm-hmm. I mean, Omega and Osprey did stuff on the outside too, but it just felt like anytime Okada and Jay White were outside of the ring, it just nothing, nothing, nothing. Okada hit the double DDT spot on the outside, which was, it was cool. It's always cool to see Okada get one on Gato after these years, but yeah, dude, the, I love the closing stretch. Like I said, like everything that happened between the ropes mm-hmm. was awesome. I was into it. I loved it. Um, and everything is right in the world. Okada is world champ. I think the only things I'll add, I appreciate the, the, the ironic Jay White getting the all white attire versus Okada coming out in all black. I thought that, that was, was nice really thought. interesting. That was a rad touch. I appreciate that Gato was the only one that got involved and his involvement was honestly pretty minimal and inoffensive by Bullet Club standards. He did like, way less than I thought he would. Like there was there was not much in terms of Bullet Club bullshit in this match. So those mm-hmm. those two things 
raised the stock of the match big time. It also, I mean, I've seen so many, we've seen this type of thing so many times that you can just kind of zone out for 10 minutes and then check in to see when the match actually starts. And mentally that's kind of what I did. So it made it more enjoyable, but I did. I really, I really liked it. It was nothing was topping Omega Osprey perhaps ever, but dude, that's, and again, I'm going to circle back to one of my 2023 predictions. I think Don Callis is turning on Kenny Omega and siding with Will Ospreay. And I think it's happening at Forbidden Door when we get Omega Ospreay too. Backstage, I did you see his interview where he said, like, if I don't beat Omega in the next calendar year, I might retire. He's going to beat Omega. Mm-hmm. And dude, if that's it. That will sell out any building mm-hmm. if you advertise Omega Osprey 2. Just saying. Um, you want to jump into Dynamite? Yeah, let's take uh, like take a few big picture thoughts on Dynamite. I thought this episode ruled. It was fucking awesome. One of the best like, ones. So good. People will really look back and mm-hmm. just be like, oh my god, this was a golden era. Like you can just fucking pick a random week of TV and just be like, "Whoa, that was really cool." Um, dude, I you start Ricky Starks, Chris Jericho. It felt very symbolic, given that Cody Sammy Guevara kicked off the very first Dynamite. I was not blind, and it was surely intentional that Jericho Starks kicked off this one. And the yeah. difference was this time Starks won. Guevara lost yeah. his. Starks won this one. Obviously, we're continuing the Jericho losing streak story. Action Andretti came out after, had the usual post-match stuff, but that was that was super symbolic to go along with the new set and the new era, saying, like, yeah, some new blood's really moving up the card now. Like, it's time. Get ready. Which, by the way, what did you think of the new set? I love it. It feels like American Gladiators. <laughs> I love it. It <laughs> does! Just, that's, imme- I've been watching some of that old American Gladiators on YouTube recently, <laughs> and it's immediately what I thought of, and it just put a damn smile on my face. I really dig it. They're really trying to go out of their way to make USA happy. They're like, shit, we'll do American Gladiators. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a friend of ours kind of gave me shit because I was like, this mm-hmm. is awesome! He's like, it's WWE, and I'm like, well, kind of, but if you look at the way that AEW presented itself, it felt like an old territory. And if you want to look, if you want the big TV money, you got to look like you're making yeah. big TV mm-hmm. money. And I think that the this, stage is a great way to do like it. This looks like big TV money. And I, I would like, in a perfect world, I would like to have the tunnels back, but slightly more... um angled mm-hmm. so you don't see people coming out mm-hmm. ahead of time so you you know the tunnels are there you can it aew was kind of like that in the beginning when they used the tunnels where yeah. it was like you you can't really see someone mm-hmm. until they're fully out of the tunnel yeah. they need to do more of that yeah um so yeah there's there's a happy medium mm-hmm. bring back the tunnels use the giant <laughs> boards i thought this looks sick um <laughs> all of that said Ricky Starks beating Jericho was really good. I honestly, I thought we were going to get Jericho cheating to win, uh, which we almost got whenever Menard just fucking decked (laughs) Ricky with a bat. Um, And we were going to get the rematch at revolution. I still think there's going to be something probably a multi-person match, Um, but I'm excited to see where this goes. Um, I, 
if built right, I think Ricky Starks could be champion in 2024. It's doable. Absolutely. Absolutely and that's like, yeah, I think we're, we're fastly approaching. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think you're going to start seeing more homegrown stars winning more and more major titles to the point where, um, let's get into it. Young bucks are negotiating their contract mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. And word is there's another non elite member negotiating their contract. And I think we're at the point now, Tony Khan showed it with Cody Rhodes that if he doesn't think you're worth what you're asking, mm-hmm. he'll just let you go. Yeah, take a hike. And I'm very excited to see where we move next because I think there's a number of people we're going to be talking about them for the rest of the show. You can just plug in and over the span of three months, turn them into a main eventer. Um, that's speaking of main eventers, Jeff Jarrett and Jay lethal <laughs> almost won the tag team titles. And I'm going to say this potentially hot take. I wouldn't have hated it. No, I honestly, I popped for it even before the swerve came. I was like, okay. oh my god, okay. they did it. I was like, I should be like, be like, I'm turning off the fucking TV if they win. And it happened, and they cheated, pushed his fucking foot off the roads. Jeff is jumping up and down like the biggest dork in the world. And all you want to see is somebody beat them within an inch of their life. And that is exactly what their job was. Their job is to make you want to see them get killed. And you literally want to murder them in that moment. So, this version of Jeff Jarrett is amazing. Fucking well done. I'm so happy to have been wrong on him. Right? I might. I think this is the best Jay Lethal's been in a very long mm-hmm. time. I might be the only person that I dig their ridiculous mashup theme. I love it. It's so catchy. Okay, here's the thing. I think their matching gear is awesome. Jarrett coming out with the, the giant coat. <laughs> and like the giant knee pads and he's got his guitar and he's all being Jeff Jarrett. It works, man. And the I think the theme is so cringe. It works for their team. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's no Angelo Parker, Matt Menard theme. <laughs> that song is a fucking banger. Uh, but yeah, it's not great, but it works for them. Um, yeah, the result, the actual match we're talking about, the acclaim defended the tag team titles <laughs> against Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett and won. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, we're getting a street or was it no holds barred on Friday? Yeah, yeah, dude, I'm so excited. Um, I knew nothing about Battle of the Belts that it was this weekend. We're basically getting like a two hour rampage mm-hmm. special. Yeah. I'm I'm very psyched for this. It's Probably the good. most psyched I've been for a rampage since Punk's return. So it's gonna be really good. Uh Brian Danielson defeated Tony Nice. I am absolutely pissed off this only went three minutes. Right. Because I really thought that we were gonna be getting like a 12 minute Danielson Tony Nice match, and I'm like, yes, yes. Give me the thing that WWE refused to give me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think they did it once and I was just like, ah, out of all the fuse that you make people wrestle 20 times, that wasn't one of them. 
Anyway, um, the match itself, not that big of a deal. The the promo post-match with MJF was. Big time. Um, it's coming at Revolution. We'll see how they get there. Plan right now is he has to do the usual dance of beating a bunch of people. No other weird stipulations, no whipping him with a belt or anything like that, or, you know, pegging him in the ass. I don't know what he's going to come up with next, but just has to beat somebody every week until Revolution. Um, but then we're getting a 60-minute Iron Man match at Revolution between Danielson and MJF for the title. Oh, man. Um, yeah, what other stipulations do you need than that? Um Ending your pay-per-view with a one-hour Iron Man match is a swing, and I'm here mm-hmm. for it. Um, the promo itself was great. I love the fact that um, MJF got all worked up because he's like, if you want a shot, this is what you have to do. And Danielson's like, no. No, I'm just <laughs> going to get you. it when I get it. I'm Brian Danielson. I'll, I'll Sure, I'll win a bunch of matches, but mm-hmm. like, I'll become number one contender. And then MJF got irrationally upset and I loved it because uh, Danielson's not the most care like charismatic mm-hmm. promo. I think the thing that has me the most worried in the build to this match at revolution is Danielson's inability to really kind of get the crowd behind him. I think it worked because he was in Seattle and the hometown was like, all right, let's go. But that's something to keep your eye on. Um, anything else before we move on? I loved Shivani on the, the call on this. <laughs> Do it, dumbass! Missed, Do it! <laughs> I missed it the first time. So fucking um, funny. Yeah, I want to talk more about it, but we have so yeah. much time to talk about that match. Yeah. Uh, Swerve Strickland with Grandin Goatsman and Parker Boudreau defeated AR Fox in nine minutes and 10 seconds. This match ruled. I I want a series of matches between these guys. It's been too long. Um, Yeah. I absolutely love this. Fantastic. I, yeah. That's what I want from Swerve. Psycho Swerve is peak Swerve. I love it. It's so good. I don't even think he's fully tapped in. Uh, um, after that we had on paper, one of like the fucking dumbest matchups Tony Khan could have done Jade Cargill and red velvet defeated Kira Hogan and sky blue match itself was fine. Red velvet and sky blue don't belong on TV. They're dark wrestlers. They need more reps. Jade looked like a star. Mm -hmm. Kira Hogan was good. Kira, um, I, I think Kira did a lot of the work in carrying this match. Jade looked great, and I think a lot of the other stuff that made Jade look great, just not blowing it when Jade wasn't in the big spots. I, I think, think it worked really Kira well in the closing stretch. For a lot of that. Yes. Yeah, Kira has improved so much, and I'm, I'm happy for her. I think Sky Blue will be really good, just needs more time, and I'm kind of ready to abandon Red Velvet. But that's that's just my take, but I thought Kira and Jade both came across fantastic in this match. So, like for let's, what what it could have been, I was really, really happy with how this turned out. I enjoyed it. Let's talk about the big angle in the women's mm-hmm. division on yep. the show. 
um, Britt Baker in a sit down interview with Jamie Hayter and Tony Schiavone, mm-hmm. uh, basically teased that Sasha Banks mm-hmm. is coming next week. And then in a different sit down segment with Renee Paquette, Tony Storm, Paige, and Hikaru Shida, Paige picks Tony Storm to be her partner for next week. And Hikaru Shida is kind of pissed off. Um, Meltzer reported today that his understanding is that Mercedes isn't coming to AEW, but everyone else like Sean Ross Sapp is like, mm-hmm. no, it's happening. Everyone else is confirming it. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm guessing Dave's getting worked, Dave which is, is kind of bullshit that a lot of people are working an autistic person like Dave, that, that kind of upsets me a little bit. Um, and I mean that's that's not a joke. That's not a farce. Like Dave is clearly on the spectrum, and no, 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 no. Legitimately, I'm not, like, yeah, I, I think it's kind of shitty that people yeah, are taking no, him for a ride. Yeah, um, like people in the industry. Yeah. So, what do you think is going to happen with that? We're going to find out next week. I don't know how. There, there's two ways it can go down. One is that. Sheeta loses her shit and beats up Tony on Rampage and Soraya has to like make a frantic phone call to get another partner. The other is Tony actually does end up being Soraya's partner for the match. We either get some other indication on the show, some preview of Mercedes coming in, or the setup is Sheeta's pissed off and brings Mercedes in herself to add yet another tag team. Because the one thing that I do have almost perfectly confirmed, women's tag titles are coming. It's happening. It will oh, happen yeah. within the next few months. And one of the things you have to do for that is build a bunch of fucking tag teams now, don't you? So, you know, we started I... Killer in the Pillar for Brit and Jamie. Uh, oh, such a great name. Dope. Love the shirt, too. It looks sick. I've been waiting for a Jamie sh- Hater shirt I can actually wear and buy and not feel <laughs> shitty about. A hater's going to hate. Cool slogan, but three words in blank white text on a t-shirt. No thanks, $40. Um but that was the other idea I heard was that Sheeta would bring Mercedes in to be like, you think you have the best wrestler in the world? Let me bring in my version and let's go. Let's battle it out and see who really does. Or the fact that she has her own tag team partner already. Mm-hmm. Like Mercedes I, is coming in with whatever I mean, her name is going to be. Trinity. Fatu. Trinity was wearing a full Burberry outfit at Wrestle Kingdom. She looked like a walking scarf. In all the photos that were made public. Trinity is going to be part of the, the not an accident. confirmed. Not an accident. Um, but yeah, Mercedes is like 100% coming. Dave's getting sold the wrong the wrong horse here, unfortunately for him. But that everywhere me. else knows it. Um, it's a done deal. I'm pot, like pen and paper has been signed at this point. There's no doubt. Brit's wink was so over the top. It's like... I know. I know. Even like... Darby's best in the world line was over the top, and this took it to like seven levels higher. Of just in case we need to be so abundantly clear, Mercedes is coming. Don't panic. Speaking of Darby Allen, yeah, homeboy wins the TNT title from Samoa Joe. This was only eight minutes, but Mm -hmm. it felt like an awesome main event. Awesome. Um, I went. Just under four and a half. Yeah, I went. I went three and a half. I went three seven five on it. Sorry, I, I went quite as high as you, but I went four two five. Yeah. Um, I liked their first match more, mm-hmm. but this was so much fun. A lot of fun. Um, 
I'm people are upset that Wardlow didn't get the title win, but it's like you can you can have Wardlow get his win back without the title. Yeah. Uh Darby is TNT champion. He's gonna be defending it more. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think there's a reason that he was the one to be literally champion. defending. Plus it was in his Friday. hometown. He's defending it Friday against Mike Bennett. And the hometown crowd popped yep. for it. That's it, it it's a big deal. Final thing I want to get to before we wrap up. Um what number does AEW need to pop next week for you to say, okay, they're in good shape for their TV negotiations? Three five. Honestly, three five. That's where I was threshold. leaning to. Yeah. The reason is uh what's what's the card for next week's show? We've got, We've got Hangman and Hangman's Lost Return. And seven. Yeah, Hangman's Return versus John Moxley. Game seven, Escalera de Muerte. Um, let's see what else we have. The tag match with Mercedes debuting. Mm-hmm. That this is going to be a massive show. Yeah, I'm so excited, and <laughs> we're desperately running out of time. My name's Jake. He's Hi, Mitch. Mitch. <laughs> we're the Bingo Hall Boys. <laughs> Sorry, guys, we're not going two hours. Bye. Bye. <laughs>